don't know about you, but um, one of my favorite things is salsa. Anybody like salsa? Actually, let's, let's be sure and say, I like chips and salsa, and chips are okay, just chips, right? Somebody say amen. Amen. Chips are okay, but chips with salsa is really great. And one of the funnest things about going around in, in southern, Bra Bra southern Brazoria County in Brazenport is going to different Mexican restaurants and enjoying the different salsas. And how, Do you like a warm salsa? Do you like a cold salsa? What is it that you like? Well, as you know, salsa starts with tomatoes. Very good. That is the majority of what makes up the bulk of what it is. Now, I have to say that I've cheated. If you can't see, you got that? Rotel, very good. So you know it's not just tomatoes, but it still is primarily tomatoes. Now, I've been instructed that one of the best things you can do to start off is to get your tomato juice in there before you start adding things. But in reality, is salsa just tomatoes? It is not. It will never just be tomatoes. If it's just tomatoes, you're not going back to that restaurant. Amen? Okay, very good. All right. There may be some other things that cause you not to go back to the restaurant, but if the sauce is just tomatoes, you're not going back again. I'm curious. It's all I've got up here. Does anybody have anything that they could add to this concoction? Have we got a couple of things that we might could add? Like maybe do we have some onions? Do we have any onions? Oh, somebody, had, Lisa has onions. Thank you very much. Lisa, I want to know, do, do onions have anything to do with your personality or anything like that? Of course not. Thank you. Good. I, I, that was the right answer. And so, why did I hold that to my mouth, Mike? Sorry about that. I'm, I'm, I'm a creature of habit. So, we're going to put a little onion in. Somebody say when. There we go. All right. Okay. So, anything? Any other major contributions we've got? Maybe we have, ah, Brian Frazier, what do you have? Oh, sorry, now microphone. Cilantro and more onions. More onions, but we're just going to use the cilantro on this one, so. Okay, all right, thank you, sir. I don't have any idea exactly how to get that open. There we go. And, and by the way, aren't we thankful for all these grocery stores that do all the chopping for us now? Somebody say Amen. Maybe even hallelujah, something like that. But so there's that. Okay, all right, all right. Okay, so we're gonna, those of you with good ears can cover them. There we go, all right. Now, now. And for those of you who enjoy Rotel, this is the original with green, green chilies. So uh, not habaneros, not kind, I'm not that kind of a guy. So, all right. So we put that in. What do you think? Looking pretty good. It's just that, you know, it's interesting. These are the big parts of salsa, aren't they? Tomatoes, onions. You know, whether you're a cilantro person or not, cilantro is a pretty major ingredient. But there are other things that are much smaller that make a big difference. Did, did anybody bring anything else? 
We got one back here. All right. All right. Let's see what he's got. We're going to open it up. Gary, thank you for having this in your pocket. I know it was important to, to bring with you. Just <laughs> Sorry, what you got, Gary? Garlic. Roasted garlic. Roasted garlic, not just any garlic. Now, uh, you think we got enough here? Okay, all right, very good. All right, everybody say thank you, Gary. Because our salsa is going to be better because Gary put a little roasted garlic in his pocket before he came to church today. I'm not sure exactly why one would put roasted garlic in your pocket to come to church, but that's beside the point, right? We're doing good here. All right. So, no, I'm not going to do it yet. Is there another ingredient that's going? Callan! Callan, come on down, man. What you got? Oh, good man. I love a man that runs when he knows the preacher's waiting on him. Good man. What have you got? I got some jalapenos. You got some jalapenos. All right. Wait, well, do jalapenos have anything to do with your personality? It does with my dad, but not me. Oh, oh throw him under the bus. Okay, so, yes? DJ said all, so y'all can blame DJ at this point, so, all right. Okay, wait a minute. You know, it's kind of interesting. It's probably the smallest thing that you would add basically to anything anything you'd want. If you were a Roman soldier and you wanted to be sure that a country could never harvest again, at least for a generation or so, you put this in the ground. Does anybody know what that is? Salt. Somebody have some salt? Oh my goodness, Avery has salt. What a deal. Avery, I'm not even going to ask you. Salt has nothing to do with your personality and the whole church said... Amen. That is sweet and spice. Thank you very much. Didn't she do awesome? And once again, I'm holding the wrong microphone up to my mouth. And Mike is so. You got it. We got a close up here. How much salt? You might even say from your distance you can't even see the salt, but I can promise you there's salt in there. We're gonna add that salt. And you know what's interesting? I mean, the, the jalapenos are gonna make it more flavorful to a certain extent hotter. The garlic is the next smallest ingredient, and yet probably the two things that have the most to do with how our salsa tastes will be the two smallest things that we add to it. Oh my goodness, I forgot one thing. There is a lady who brings wonderful juiciness to my life, and she has lime juice with her. And she has chips. And again, this is very consistent with all that she brings to my life. Everything that I need, she has. Somebody say, aww. Lime juice. Dash of lime juice. Add a little tang to it. Maybe that's not enough for you, but it's enough for me. Does that look beautiful or what? I mean, that looks really, you know what, I never practiced getting it off of the thing. <laughs> oh, it does come off. Life is good. Okay. So, 
I'm going to put it right in here. Does that look good or what? And you know what's amazing? It would just have been tomatoes if it had just been me. It had been tomatoes and green chili. It had been Rotel. But even that would not be salsa, would it? It took all of us. It took some older. It took some younger. It took some boisterous. It took some quiet and still, right? But it took all things. Randy? You're going to lead the next song. Yeah, come on up. You get to be the one. I'm not doing this by I'm not doing this by myself. Oh yeah, I'm not bad. And you're the one who said lots of jalapenos. Oh, no, that was actually DJ. No, but I, I'm with him. Okay. How we doing? How we doing? I'm chewing it. Okay. No, that's got a good kick. How in the world am I going to leave the song? <laughs> There's a bottle of water right down there. It hadn't been opened. We are less as a congregation without our children. Somebody say amen. amen. Now let's do the other thing. We are less without so many of our seniors who are having to stay at home because they're concerned about infection and safety. And somebody say but I want to also have you look at yourself and say, we are less without me. Would you say that with me? We are less without me. Thanks, everybody, for joining along. Give yourselves a big round of applause. Thank you very, very much. This morning I'll be reading Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 6. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you, to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Let's say that more emphatically, and we all say, Amen. Amen. What a beautiful sentiment. The fellowship of the church, the unity that we have in Christ, the unity that we have is people who make up the body of Christ. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one hope, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. It sounds like Paul is saying we all need to be the same. We all need to have this one thing. We all need to be part of this one thing. We can just all line up with this one thing. Then everything will just work out exactly the way God wanted it to be. Except that's not really the kind of unity that Paul's talking about. There's a dramatic difference between the unity that Christ called for in his followers. That they would love each other as... He has loved them, and as the Father has loved him. The idea is not so much that we're all going to come to some sort of uniformity, that there will be no diversity whatsoever. In fact, the power, the absolute miracle of the unity we have in the body of Christ, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, is that we come to that place from so many different places 
And that diversity comes and makes our unity even better. You see, it's not unif- unity is not uniformity. And the church was never intended to be homogeneous, all the same. It was always, from its very beginning, intended to be very, very full of great diversity. You and I are invited to the unity in Christ, not so that we can all line up and wear black pants and white shirts and exactly the right length skirt and have our hair done exactly right and all those kinds of things. We're not invited to the church to all sing the same note. Even when we're in a song, the number of times that we all sing the same note is almost non-existent. Every once in a while we come together on the same note, but most of the time it's a harmony, and the harmony doesn't exist without the diversity. What if everything that we put into the salsa tasted just like the tomato? What if we added the onion, but in reality the onion, before it could be put in there, said, well, I really have to become like a tomato before I can be added to the salsa? What if we needed to, before we could put the cilantro in, the cilantro had to say, well, you're right, I can't be cilantro anymore, I've got to be tomato. And the biggest, biggest struggle of all would be the fact that the garlic couldn't be garlic. And that would be a great and terrible sin. Somebody say amen. And while this is not me, there are those of you who would say, and the jalapeno couldn't be a jalapeno. And, it, and, and that is not what biblical, Christ-like, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. That is not what that is like. That, in fact, is absolutely and completely opposed to exactly what Christ wanted us to be. Because as chapter 4 begins with how we're all one together in these beautiful expressions of oneness, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one hope, again, one God and Father of all, that is not where the passage ends. Let's pick up in verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it, as Christ gave it. Now, 8 through 10 are some very interesting verses, and I have preached a sermon that talks a little bit more about that, but that's not today's point. If you want to hear more about or discuss more about that, call me on my phone later, because we're not going to invest the time here. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some would be prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for work for the work of ministry. I want you to understand that he lists four gifts here. That happens to be in the Ephesian letter. If you turn over to 1 Corinthians, there's a slightly different gift list of gifts that the Spirit gives and Christ gives through the Spirit. 1 Peter has a couple of other ones. Hospitality is one in 1 Peter. In Ephesians, he talks about the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers all intended to equip the saints for works of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. By the way, not for making the body of Christ less significant, less unified, 
less of what it's supposed to be, but instead all that diversity is given so that we can be more of who Christ wants us to be. And then this great line, until all of us come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity and the full measure of the stature of Christ. We must no longer be, let's keep going, children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, for whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. The goal of the diversity is to lead us to unity, to equip people until we all reach unity, and did you get that line? To become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. It is interesting to me that we, we don't become uniform, we don't become homogenous, we don't leave behind our diversity to reach that fullness in Christ. In fact, it is in our diversity that the fullness has its flavor. It is in our differences that the unity that Christ calls us to becomes the miracle that is the Spirit working by the gifts of Christ that leads people to look back at the church and say, wow, where did that come from? How do those people love each other? How do those people work together? How do those people look like they have something that binds them together that's bigger than their differences? And again, how do we accomplish that unity? Well, make no mistakes, I'm a believer in prayer. Somebody say? I am a believer in working in the Word of God, meditating on it day and night, being digging into it to reveal not only what it says kind of on the surface, but as we dig deeper, we discover more meaning for us. I want it to shape my life. But in this place, Paul, who also believes in prayer, Paul, who also believes in the power of the Word of God, in this place, Paul talks about if we want to reach fullness in Christ, if we want to become what God wants us to be, if we want to build your kingdom here, it will be because... We are the part that God created and gifted us to be, and we choose to join with other people who are different than ourselves, not so that we can become like them or they can become like us, but so that in our diversity, we can be a greater whole than we could have ever been. I'm going to do a very quick survey here, and this is going to be the most of what I say today, so don't get worried that we're stuck for a long time. I didn't bring it up, but it has been brought to my attention that I left one out. The first one should actually be all the way back to the Garden of Eden, where God created them, man, human, male and female, 
And it was, and by the way, is there anything more diverse than a male and a female? That was intended to be a little bit funny. And of course, it helps that Sharon's not in the service at this moment, although I think she's watching. Is there anything more diverse than male and female? And yet, the image of God would not be complete, complete in the creation if it weren't for all of humankind, which is male and female. Those two things can't come together. I'm jumping all the way forward to the gospel. Mark chapter 3, and Matthew, Mark, and Luke will, will take the time to list the names of the disciples. And I think there's a, a sense in which we want to be sure and know from the gospel writers, these are authoritative people, but more than that is the idea that the writers want us to understand how diverse this group is. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago in the sermon, that these people don't come to understanding life, to understanding much of anything in the same way. But what they do is they each come with their own unique gifts, their own unique things that God has created in them to make this beautiful new tribe of Israel. The twelve is not a mistake. The twelve is not by accident. He didn't say, well, I guess I have to keep looking until I get twelve. Twelve was important. It was so important that when Judas committed suicide, they realized they needed to add one more. Said, We've got to have 12. We are the new Israel. But the new Israel was made up in credible diversity. Manual laborers, fishermen, tax collectors, zealots. People who had a different perspective on almost every subject. But by the end of three years and after a death, burial, and a resurrection, they had one saying in common. And that Jew, that Jesus was Lord. Acts chapter 2 continues this story of diversity. And again, we mentioned this a minute ago. Acts chapter 2 starts off and it tells us about the outpouring of the Spirit. But then it immediately zooms way out on its perspective. It talks about the fact that they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. They were all there. And, in fact, they were so diverse that they couldn't even all speak the same language. But here's the key. They all heard the same message. Lots of different languages, lots of different inflections. And there is a power here that is a miracle that it's worth at, in the sense that God is kind of reversing what took place at Babel. God confused the languages at Babel, and now he will bring all the languages back together under Christ. But this is a group of people that's incredibly diverse. And if you actually follow the story of Acts, one of the main themes in the book of Acts is how the diversity of those who follow Christ becomes broader and broader and broader. Jews, Hellenistic Jews, Samaritans. Somebody go, oh, Samaritans. And Gentiles. Gentiles who the Spirit was poured out on even before they were baptized. The message was so important that we get it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So now there are many members, but there is one body. Paul will come back to this theme over and over again. Colossians chapter 3. Now listen to this diversity. Here there is no Gentile or Greek. And where is here? In the kingdom of God. 
And to a certain extent, yes, he is speaking to the house church or house churches that meet in Colossae. But in reality, that message, the Holy Spirit intended for that message not simply to be one for the church at Colossae, but that intended it to be for all of us. And so while the particulars may change of this diversity, the reality that we come from everywhere and in the kingdom, we won't be divided by those things. No Gentile, no Jew, no circumcised or uncircumcised, no barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. By the way, it's not that the Scythian quit being a Scythian. But he becomes a Scythian whose main goal in life is to be Christ's person. Amen? But Christ is all and is in all. In Galatians 3.28, there is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female. For all of you are one in Christ. I want to be sure and say... It isn't that the line between men and women disappeared. It isn't that it suddenly a Gentile has to be circumcised or a Jew has to undo his circumcision or don't be circumcised any longer. The idea is that while I may still be a Gentile, I am a Gentile for Christ. And that which I have in common with the Jew is greater than what divides us. I want to challenge you that that fellowship is the thing that we have to continually kind of lift up and say, this is what we are. We're this great diversity, this confusing diversity, this hard and difficult diversity. But we will work in the diversity, become what God wants us to be, the fellowship, the what of who we are, and maybe even more, the how of we are, how we are to be the kingdom of God. Isn't it interesting the way the littlest things often make the biggest difference? Now, in our cooking, we never forget the littlest things, do we? Um, my grandmother, um, so... Drew and Elise's great-grandmother, Meemaw was her name, my mom's mom, Maxine Allen. Uh, was a great cook. She particularly was known for what we called the Meemaw's Rolls. They were yeast rolls. And anytime there was a family gathering, and for many, many years, just Sunday lunch, would have Meemaw's Rolls involved in them. And it was a sad day, the day that she got up. And she couldn't remember the parts that went in the rolls. She could remember the flour. She could remember the big pieces. But it was how do you get the littlest ingredients to be right? You see, when we cook, we're always highly attentive to the littlest, least significant ingredients. But sometimes when we come to people... We sort of leave the littlest and what we think of as the unnoticed or the people, maybe most of all, who aren't like us. We can kind of push them out of the way. And again, I will assert there is nothing simple about this. 
family of Brianna Taylor is hurting. They've been hurting since March. And they particularly hurt this week because they didn't see the justice system standing up for them. And by the way, I'm not saying who did what wrong. But I am saying that it's very easy for you and me not to think about the Breonna Taylors in our world who just get in the way when bullets start flying. Our fellowship has to be more than that. In fact, Christ would call us and say, it is to the least noticeable that to a certain extent our greatest attention needs to be paid. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 will say it's the unmentionable, the hidden parts that to a certain extent need to be the parts that we need to be most careful about because maybe they have the most to give us. Maybe the most famous verse in all of, of evangelism is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him can have eternal life. That whoever is really important, isn't it? And, and don't we sometimes make the mistake of saying whoever's like me can believe in Jesus and they can have eternal life. But the call will always be to look and say, whoever is different, whoever is small, whoever is less than noticeable, whoever is a little bit more like garlic than sweet, wonderful stuff, whoever believes is welcome to come to Jesus. And whoever believes is welcome into Jesus. And the question is, if they are whoever is welcome to come to Jesus, are they welcome to come to the fellowship? The invitation is extended. It says, whoever you are, wherever you're from, whatever baggage you've got, Jesus says, come. And our hope as a church, is that we will help each and every person find their way to Jesus. Not by making them more like us, but by pointing them to Christ. If you are, nobody is online with us, but I'll say it anyway because they'll be listening later. If you're with us online, I encourage you, if you need help in any way in finding your way to Jesus, and if you can identify whatever it is that keeps you from getting to him, please text us at that number. We would like to help you in that process. Let's come and sing. Let's come and sing by, as people who are radically diverse, but who are all tied to and ultimately dependent on what the grace of God through Jesus Christ does for us. Let's stand and sing. We praise Thee, O God, for the Son of Thy love, for Jesus who died. And